Launch on Fire Podcast, episode number 79. بودكاست Launch on Fire اول بودكاست متخصص ومهتم في عالم رياده الاعمال والمشاريع الصغيره والمتوسطه في الشرق الاوسط يقدم لكم محدثكم خالد الزنكي. وهدفنا في هالبودكاست مساعده كل من يدخل عالم رياده الاعمال والبزنس علشان ينجح. في البداية خلونا نشكر الشركات الراعية لبودكاست لونش اون فاير الراعي الذهبي طلبات دوت كوم مجموعة ايسيس المستقبل اسنان تاور وشوكلت نسك ونشكر الجهات الاعلامية الراعية بعد سينسكيب ومجلة خليجسك Okay, let's get started with today's episode in Launch on Fire podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Marshall Godsmith. Marshall, are you ready for the launch? I'm ready. Awesome. Marshall is a leadership thinker and executive coach, and he's an author of 34 books, which have sold over 2 million copies so far. And he is in Kuwait for a few days to deliver a seminar titled What Get You Here? Won't Get You There, which is organized by Vigor Events. Uh, I have given our listeners just a little overview about you. Uh, take a minute or so to tell us about yourself so our listeners get to know you and give us an overview about the leadership and coaching and its importance for startup small businesses. Well, my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm from Kentucky, went to school in Indiana, got a PhD at UCLA. I was college professor and dean. Then for the last 38 years, I've done three things. I give talks or teach classes like I'm doing here in Kuwait, which I love, travel all around the world doing that. have 11 million frequent flyer miles, been to 34 countries. Impressive. Then I coach executives, and I've been the coach of the CEO, Ford, Pfizer, Glaxo, the president of the World Bank, head of the Mayo Clinic, many of the very, very top leaders from around the world, head of the Islamic Bank, the number one entrepreneur in India, all kinds of fascinating people. Coaching is where I learn everything. I love coaching because I learn so much. Then the final thing I do is write and edit books and articles. And as you mentioned, lots of books and uh, translated in many languages and bestsellers around the world. So I've got a very, very fun job, very interesting. My mission is to help successful leaders achieve positive long-term change in behavior for themselves, for their people, and for their teams. Awesome. Can you tell us about the leadership importance and, and, and coaching for entrepreneurs and small businesses? Uh, leadership and coaching, incredibly important for entrepreneurs and incredibly difficult, uh, especially as the business grows. One of my good friends was Alan Mulally, who retired as the CEO of Ford. He was ranked as one of the top leaders in the United States. Uh, Fortune magazine ranked number three greatest leader in the entire world. And he said, you know, achiever, for the great achiever, it's all about me and for the great leader, it's all about them. Well, this is a very tough point for entrepreneurs. Uh, entrepreneurs tend to be fantastic achievers and they're really smart, entrepreneurial driven people. That doesn't mean they're good leaders. Mm-hmm. And it can be very challenging for an entrepreneur to make that transition from the great achiever who does it himself or herself to the great leader who creates an organization that's actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. Which is actually different than running small business for larger corporation because they have smaller teams. Exactly. And, you know, in small business, leadership is more important because each person is critically important to the success or failure of the company. True. We are so excited and thrilled to have you over here in your short visit to Kuwait. Uh, we would like to get into our conversation today. But before we do, we always we start our podcast with a success code that has influenced your life. Hmm. One of the people that's influenced my life is a person I just mentioned, Alan Mulally. Now, in theory, I was Alan's coach. In practice, he's really helped me, I think, far more than I've ever helped him. I've known him for over 20 years. I ask him 
I said, Alan, of all the people I've coached you improved the most, I've spent the least amount of time with you. What could I learn about coaching from you? And he taught me some valuable lessons. He said, Marshall, your biggest challenge as a coach is called customer selection. Pick the right customer, you always win. Wrong customer, you're always going to lose. And never make the coaching process about yourself and your own ego and how smart you are. Make it about the great people you work with. I have to say, working with Alan has totally changed my view of coaching, leadership, and life. And he's been a great mentor for me, although in theory, I was supposed to be his coach. Awesome. That's interesting. Um, there is always that question that goes in people's heads when we talk about leadership, which is, is leadership a trait that you're born with or is something that you acquire over time with experience? It's a very interesting question. It's almost an irrelevant question in my life. Mm-hmm. Everyone I deal with is already a leader. Now, whether they were born there or should be there, should not be there, is kind of irrelevant. They're there anyway. The only question that does matter is can leaders become more effective? And I've done a research study called Leadership as a Contact Sport. If you'd like a copy of it, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. And Marshall has two L's. I'll send you a copy of it. The results are pretty compelling. Uh, I have a process where if leaders get feedback, they talk to people what they learn, they develop a plan, they follow up in a rigorous basis, they get measured, they can improve. So the real question to me is not, are leaders made or born? It's can leaders who are leaders become more effective leaders? Answer there is a definite yes. Of course. And uh, we believe leadership that we have so many different levels in leadership. We have good leaders and we have outstanding leaders. How would you define outstanding leadership? Well, I think an outstanding leader, again, I'm not an expert on all elements of leadership. I'm an expert on leading people. And the outstanding leader of a people is a person who develops a cadre behind him or her who really is able to do the job better than when the person was there themselves. So the leader is a person who really is developing people who can take him, her place or his place and do a better job than he or she could. The great leader is not threatened by people who are more technically competent, not threatened by people who are smarter, but in fact, mm-hmm. encourages people who are more technically competent, encourages people who are even smarter. And increasing the performance of their teams as well. Exactly. Awesome. What are the common characteristics do they have? Well, in terms of improvement, Mm -hmm. which is my area of expertise, I find three factors are critically important. One is um, you have to have the, the courage to get feedback, to look in the mirror and admit, you know, here's who I am. You have to have the humility to admit you can improve and be able to apologize for your mistakes. And then the hard part is you have to have the discipline to do the hard follow-up required to achieve positive long-term change. And this change doesn't come from sitting at a course or reading a book. It's day after day after day after day work back on the job, really focused on self-improvement. So those three qualities are highly correlated with the leader becoming more effective. If we're going to rate those three qualities, what would be the number one? The courage. So you think courage is the most important element for leaders? Uh, for leaders, leaders, improvement. Now, I'm, I'm going to answer a different question. I wrote a book called Global Leadership, The Next Generation. And we interviewed 150 high potential young leaders. And we said, how will the leader of the future be different than the leader of the past? In that case, we found out five different qualities for the future from the past, which are kind of interesting related to your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we said in many ways, the leader of the future and the past will be the same. I mean, they had to have integrity and vision and most of the 10 qualities that were the same, you'd kind of guess. Five different categories came up though. Uh, The first category was uh, looking at the leader of the future, global thinking. Uh, In the past, most leadership was not global, it was domestic. You were managing a region or even at the most a country. Now leadership is pretty much getting global for everybody, even in small business. What is the global impact of what they're doing? The second thing, cross-cultural appreciation, understanding and appreciating people in different cultures. Then the third area was called technological savvy. Not being a technologist, but understand how technology impacts you and your part of the business. Mm -hmm. Then the fourth one was called building alliances and partnerships. 
partnerships. More and more leaders are people that build alliances and partnerships and not out there doing it on their own. If you look at a classic case study, the old IBM used to have no partnerships. Mm-hmm. The new IBM is nothing but partnerships. Most of the pharma companies now are just a series of partnerships. True. So that's a big, big change. And then finally, it was something called shared leadership. And the great Peter Drucker said, the leader of the past knew how to tell, the leader of the future is going to know how to ask. Most leaders in the future are going to manage knowledge workers. And what's the definition of a knowledge worker? Well, they know more about what they're doing than their boss does. You know, if you're managing people, know more about what they're doing than you do. You can't tell them what to do and how to do it. You have to ask, listen, and learn. So these five qualities came up uh, as the global of the future being a little different, the global leader of the future than the leader of the past, global thinking, a cross-cultural appreciation, technological savvy, building alliances and partnerships, and then the fifth one is the concept of shared leadership. Awesome. I'm sure throughout the process of learning as leaders, usually they face a lot of challenges. What mm-hmm. are the classic challenges that most of the effective leaders they face during leading their corporations or small businesses? Well, one of the great challenges that entrepreneurs face is letting go. Letting go is very, very hard for the entrepreneur, and it is incredibly hard for the founder, and it's actually the hardest if you're the founder and your name is on the door. Very hard to let go. Very hard to say, you know, my job is not to be great, it's to help them be great. Uh, Some of the classic challenges that leaders have, uh, one of them is winning too much. You know, as an entrepreneur, you know, very competitive driven people with a need to win. And it's important we want to win, but if it's trivial, we want to win. If it's not worth it, we still want to win anyway. And one of the things, particularly with entrepreneurs, is really asking yourself, is it worth it before you get into any battle? Is it worth it? Is this a good use of my time? Second classic problem is adding too much value. And what's that mean? I'm young, smart, enthusiastic. You're the entrepreneurial boss. I come to you with a great idea. Instead of saying great idea, our tendency is to say, that's a nice idea. Why don't you add this to it? Well, the problem is the quality of the idea may go up 5%. My commitment to execute the idea may go down 50%. It's no longer my idea, now it's yours. Uh Incredibly difficult for smart, successful people, especially entrepreneurs, not to go through life adding value Mm -hmm. and really create an environment where you let other people be the hero. It's hard to make that transition from I'm the hero to I'm the creator of the hero. Can you give us a story that emphasizes on that and especially, you know, a story from one of the famous entrepreneurs that you had an experience of coaching before? Yes. Uh, and one of the entrepreneurs I've coached before is the Entrepreneur of the Year in India. A great man, Mr. G.M. Rao. And uh, developed a very successful business. He built the airport in Delhi. He's done all kinds of neat things. And I'd say as a person started out with, you know, not poverty-stricken, but not rich at all. And he just worked himself up and made it through the system, became Entrepreneur of the Year. And an incredibly successful man, incredibly good and generous man as well. And if I had to say, what are some of his qualities? One of them is humility. Just always trying to question, am I doing the right thing? Uh, always reaching out and innovating as Mm -hmm. opposed to just coasting on his his laurels and then constantly just going through life looking for new and better ways to do things. And let's try this. Let's try that. And I guess one other one is, this doesn't sound normal, but it's really being willing to fail. Realizing that, you know, you don't always succeed. Mm-hmm. You're going to fail. Another person I'm working with is running a venture capital fund. And the same thing, he doesn't succeed that often. Maybe one out of five or six, he'll succeed. But, you know, when he does succeed, it's been companies like Starbucks and eBay. And, you know, the returns have been so astronomical that whatever his failures are pale by comparison. Still, most people have trouble with that. They um, have trouble taking bets when they know they're going to lose, uh, you know, 
Well, I'm, I'm five sure times winning, out of six. winning is losing is part of the game, I guess, right? Well, and again, if you're in that business, if it's a sure bet, you're not going to get a return. The big return is not on the sure bet. The, the big return is on the probable failure that nobody saw coming and it succeeds. And taking risk. Taking risk. Part of the process. That's what you call risk. Mm -hmm. If you're not taking, if it's a sure success, it's not a risk. Okay. Uh, Marshall, let's dive into right now the coaching role uh, in startup and small businesses. Based on your experience, why entrepreneurs are amazingly successful in building teams? and others really are struggling. Well, I think one thing that entrepreneurs are very good at, and this is something I stress in my own coaching, is they don't waste time. And one thing that corporate people can do too much is just waste time. Get focused on process, bureaucracy, and they get focused on, again, the steps in doing what we're doing as opposed to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the entrepreneur doesn't have any time. So the entrepreneur is focused on, let's do this better, let's do it faster, let's do it more quickly. So when the team is built, the team is built in a way that's much more efficient. Uh -huh. Awesome. I'm sure throughout your interaction with businesses and entrepreneurs and, and business leaders as well, you have discovered failures in, in leadership scenes mainly and working with their teams. Yes. We want to hear one of those failure stories and what lesson you have discovered and learned. Well, it was a very interesting case study. This was a huge failure. And it wasn't a small business. This is a large business. But they lost 50% of their market cap in one day. And what happened was the, the boss of the organization was an R&D scientist, brilliant man. And he was so brilliant, he knew more about what he was doing than most of the people he managed. I'd say he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I've met in my life many incredibly smart people. His problem was that he was almost always right. And then after a while, people, and he had high integrity too, which you think that's a good thing, which it mm -hmm. typically is. But the problem is if your boss is almost always right, your boss is a genius and your boss has ultimately high integrity. Well, when you disagree with your boss, your instinct is going to be, well, he must be right. Well, yeah. he was right until he was wrong. Then one drug came up and he um, said, we're right. And some people didn't necessarily agree, but they didn't take him on. And, and the Federal uh, Drug Administration disagreed with him. And he wasn't right. He was wrong. And the company lost billions of dollars, half their market cap in one day. Well, great person, genius. But what happened is, as a leader, created an environment where people really didn't want to challenge him. And after that, and again, all that works fine as long as you're right. But the day you're wrong, everything falls apart. And when he was wrong, he was wrong. Interesting. And it cost the company billions of dollars. It hurts mm -hmm. when you talk about billions. From all the lessons that you have discovered uh, throughout your process in leadership and coaching, what is the one important lesson that you learned? I would say, especially in coaching, it's getting over shame. Getting over this sort of macho willpower, I can do it on my own, I don't need help kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And being able to sit there and say, I do need help and it's okay. Uh, one of the great leaders I've ever met, my friend Alan Mulally, was a CEO of Ford. Totally turned the company around. And when he went to Ford, he said, I wanted everyone, the top uh, 16 leaders, to set their top five goals. Red, yellow, green. Green, on plan. Yellow, I'm not on plan, but I have a strategy to get there. And and red, as I'm not on plan, I have no strategy. The first meeting he works in Ford, the company's losing $17 billion. Top 16 leaders, top five priorities, 80 priorities, all green. Everyone says everything is on plan. Mm -hmm. So Alan says, well, we're losing $17 billion and everyone's on plan. I guess our plan must be to lose $17 billion, at least. Yeah, let's do it again. Finally, Mark Fields, who's now the CEO, steps up and says, red. He says, I, I'm not on plan. I have a problem and I have no idea how to fix it. Alan stands up and applauds says, God bless you for having the courage to say this. Finally, someone said red. Basically, the whole company was red. And he said, you have a problem and you don't have a solution and it's okay. 
He said, I'm the CEO of this company, and I know less of a solution than you do. I don't have a solution, and that's okay, too. We have hundreds of thousands of people that work here, and we have access to many others. Let's just work together and solve the problem. And ask what help. And that's what happened. And then the culture started changing immediately. The problem was solved in 10 minutes, and Ford began the turnaround from a stock valued at $1 to a stock at $18.40. And he became the CEO of the year in the United States. An amazing story. That is. Uh, Marshall, throughout your seminar in Kuwait, actually I have discovered a few things and I would like to get your thoughts about learning process and execution of changing habits mm-hmm. or behavior of others that mm-hmm. is working with you. What's, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I was asked a question after 12 years in business, does anyone ever really change? I looked at this gentleman and I said, you know, I have 12 years experience, a PhD in organizational behavior, undergraduate degree in mathematics, and I have no research. I guess I can't prove it. I don't know. Well, for 26 years, I've been answering that question. Now I do know. I know who changes, who doesn't change, why people change and why people don't change. And if you can put together a very disciplined process of feedback, follow-up, dialogue with everyone around you and measurement, you can document positive long-term change in behavior. Mm-hmm. And again, we've done this with thousands of people from around the world. Mm-hmm. And you think it's easy to change people's behavior and no. habits? No, there's a difference between two words. We mm-hmm. confuse two words, simple and easy. Everything I teach people is incredibly simple. Nothing is easy. If you read my book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, you read funny story after funny story after funny story, and it's tempting to read the book and think, what a bunch of idiots. How can these people be so stupid? The idiots in the book all have IQs of 150, and they're all CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, this stuff is simple. It's far from easy. Interesting. What is the best advice you ever received? The best advice I ever received as a coach was, um, or for being coached, was I was a young PhD student and I was working at the Los Angeles City Planning Department. I was getting bitter and self-righteous and talking down and kind of angry and judgmental. And my old advisor, Dr. Case, called me in and he said, Marshall, what's the problem? I go, I started rambling on. He looked at me and he goes, Marshall Goldsmith, you have discovered that the city government of Los Angeles is inefficient. He looked at me and said, what a stunning breakthrough. Said the guy pumping gas down the corner knew that years ago. You got any more problems? He goes, oh my goodness, breakthrough too. You've discovered that um, when people donate millions of dollars to the politicians, they're a little nicer to them than people that don't give them any money. Said the guy pumping gas figured that out years ago too. Then he looked at me and said, Marshall, you're very negative. You're being a pain in the butt. And I don't like it. So I said, I'm going to give you two choices. Option A, you can consider to continue to be negative and judgmental and a pain in the butt, and you're fired from your job, and you're not going to get a PhD, and you wasted the last five years of your life. Or option B, you can start having some fun here, still try to make a positive difference, but have a good time. They looked at me and said, what's it going to be, son? I said, you know, Dr. Case, let's have a little fun here. Well, that was mm-hmm. about the best advice I ever got. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributed to your success? I have something that I taught in the class today called the daily question process. I pay a woman to call me on the phone every day. She listens to me read questions that I wrote and provide answers that I wrote every day. And every day, this helps me keep aligned with, you know, actually what I'm doing with what, with what I believe in. And these are questions like, and you, you can do this. Anybody mm-hmm. can do it. Put it on an Excel spreadsheet, write down a series of questions on one column, seven boxes across, one for every day of the week. And then every day, you fill out the spreadsheet. For example, one of my questions was, is how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth it? I've almost never got a zero my whole life. Kind of hard for that old professor not to be right. Or how many angry or destructive comments did you make? Did you say to something nice for your wife, son, daughter? How many minutes did you write? Just a bunch of questions about life. It's a great, great discipline. It's something anybody can do. So that would keep you on track, I guess, right? It does. By the way, it's very easy to understand. It's very hard to do. Most people can't do it over two weeks. 
interesting why this is happening. It's painful. It's humbling. Because if you do this day after day, you realize that, you know, life is easy to talk. It's hard to live. You start seeing there's such a gap between this story that we tell about ourselves and who we are and how wonderful we are and the reality of our day-to-day life. Awesome. If you just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Mm, the book I'd recommend for me is, uh, the first one I'd recommend is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's a uh, huge success around the world. And it really outlines my coaching philosophy and talks about the mistakes leaders make, how to fix the mistakes, and then how to achieve positive long-term change in behavior. Awesome. Another book? Oh, another book I'd recommend is The Leadership Challenge by my friend Jim Kuzis. Originally written 25 years ago, I think it's one of the best books about leadership ever written. Uh, and it's been revalidated and revalidated over and over, and I think it's just as valuable today as it was 25 years ago. Interesting. Thank you so much for sharing the books. Thank you. Uh, we have reached the final segment of our podcast today. So what would you say to Launch on Fire podcast listeners? Uh, I have a simple uh, exercise I recommend in my class. That is, take a deep breath. Imagine that you're 95 years old, you're just getting ready to die. Right before you take the last breath, you're given a beautiful gift. The ability to go back in time and talk to the person who's listening to me right now. The ability to help this person be a better leader, have a better life. What advice would that old 95-year-old you have for the you who's listening to me now? Think about that and kind of whatever that is, do that. Some friends of mine interviewed old people who were dying and asked them that question. On the personal side, three themes come up. Theme number one, be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year, be happy now. Great Western disease, I'll be happy when I get the money, status, BMW. We all have the same win. That old person is win. Learning point from old people, be happy now. Learning point two, friends and family. Don't get, it's particularly important for entrepreneurs, get, no one gets so wrapped up climbing that ladder that you forget about the friends and family, the people that love you. Just when you're 95 years old, they're the only ones going to care. And then learning point three, and entrepreneurs are good at this one. If you have a dream, go for it. Because if you don't go for it when you're 45, you may not when you're 55 or 85 and doesn't have to be a big one maybe it's a small one but whatever it is for you do it business advice isn't much different number one life is short have fun number two do whatever you can do to help people and the main reason to help people has nothing to do with money or status or getting ahead the main reason to help people is much more important the 95 year old you will be proud of you because you did and disappointed if you don't my advice also same go for it world's changing your industry's changing your life's changing do what you think is right might not win Uh, yep. Please try. Please try. <laughs> awesome. Outstanding. Can you give us a, one piece of guidance how our listeners can find you and connect with you? Yes, yeah, very easy to find me. Uh, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. Marshall has two L's. Awesome. On behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for sharing the information and thoughts and ideas in our podcast today. And we hope you enjoyed your stay in Kuwait and we hope to see you again as well. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Thank you. Goodbye. والحين خلونا نشكر الشركات الراعيه لبودكاست لونش اون فاير، الراعي الذهبي طلبات دوت كوم، مجموعه ايسس، المستقبل، اسنان تاور وشوكلت نيوز، ونشكر الجهات الاعلاميه الراعيه بعد سنسكيب ومجله خليجسك. طلبات دوت كوم اول موقع الكتروني وتطبيق لطلب الاكل اونلاين في الكويت ودول مجلس التعاون الخليجي علشان تطلب الاكل اونلاين وتطلع على اخر عروض المطاعم زور موقع طلبات دوت كوم او نزل تطبيق طلبات على الاندرويد والاي او اس والويندوز مجموعة ايسس واحدة من الشركات المتخصصة في مجال تقنية المعلومات المتنقلة تاسست في 2004 وعندها خبرة ومعرفة في قطاع الاتصالات في الشرق الاوسط وافريقيا واحد من تطبيقاتها برنامج بايت على الاندرويد والاي او اس تقدر تدفع فواتيرك عن طريق هالابلكيشن 
الاسنان هي سحر جاذبيه اي واحد فينا ابتسامتك لازم تكون متميزه لان في البزنس لها دور في مستوى تاثيرك في الناس اللي حواليك اسنان تاور اكبر العيادات في الشرق الاوسط والمتميزه في علاج وتجميل الاسنان في الكويت اتصل على اسنان تاور واحجز موعدك اليوم على 257-3666 شوكلتنس أول مشروع كويتي متخصص بصناعة وإنتاج الملتين كيك بدأ برأس مال 500 دولار وعقبها توسع وصار عنده خمس فروع منهم فرعين يقدمون فيهم قائمة طعام متكاملة بالإضافة لمصنع للإنتاج في الكويت اتصل واطلب على 22 960606 او زوروا موقعهم الالكتروني chocolatenest.net شركة السينما الكويتية الوطنية سينسكيب عندهم اكثر من 11000 كرسي في 11 موقع في الكويت افلامهم متنوعة من اكشن وكوميديا ودراما ورعب واثارة وتشويق مع سينسكيب تعيش الدور واكثر من 60 سنة وسينسكيب في خدمتكم خلي جيسك مجلة كويتية مميزة لها نمط ثقافي وحياتي وتغطي باستمرار كل شيء جديد في دول الخليج العربي خصوصا لما يتعلق الموضوع بالمشهد الثقافي المتطور تقدر تحصل أو تحصلين النسخة المطبوعة بالاشتراك أو النسخة الإلكترونية من خلال الموقع الإلكتروني خليجيسك.com بودكاست لونش اون فاير اول بودكاست كويتي حاصل على جائزه الكويت للمحتوى الالكتروني لعام 2015